0: I spent a career as a firefighter paramedic, and uh, I'm just going to interweave some of my stories with an old story out of the Bible. Now, I know that he uses commentaries a lot. I'm not quite versed in that. I'm not a theologian by any means, and so some of the commentaries you're going to get are, are Mitchell commentaries, okay? It's kind of how my brain works and how uh, I've, I've thought about the stories, so we're going to start off in this morning in Exodus. That's the second book of the Bible. If you have, need a Bible, there's one in the chair there underneath in front of you. So we're going to start in chapter three. Now as a as a young teenager, I, I took piano from the from the third grade all the way through college. So took a lot of piano lessons. and just of my own accord, I got introduced to a musician by the name of Ken Miedema. Uh, as a teenager. He's a blind pianist, composer, singer, and he wrote a song called Moses. And it's about a 10-minute song. And that's, you know, most songs are three to four minutes. So that's a pretty long song. But I took it on myself as a teenager, a, a very challenging piano piece, to memorize this song. And it was a tough, it was a tough time. Now I say all of that to say that um that is going to kind of come out in what I'm talking to you about this morning, and that using that song as a story about Moses. And so let's set this up. Um, remember in Exodus, Pharaoh has been killing all the little boys. He didn't want to be challenged. You know, the, the, the Jews are increasing in numbers, and he doesn't want to be overtaken by, by the Jews because there are just too many of them. So he started killing all the boys. Well, uh, Moses is born, and his mom, to protect him, uh, basically puts him in a picnic basket. Yeah. In, in, that's what I see in my eyes. And floated him amongst some of the, the weeds there along the shore. And ultimately, uh, he's found by the royal family, uh, basically the sister of Pharaoh. And um, he's, he's adopted into royalty, raised up in royalty. He's got everything he needs. But at some point, he kills an Egyptian. And so Pharaoh comes after him and wants to kill him. So he has to escape to Midian where he falls in love and he marries the daughter of a priest and he becomes a shepherd. And that's where we're going to pick up in Exodus 3, starting at the first verse. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I'll turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush has not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out, called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, Here I am. Then God said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Let's pray. God, uh, your, your stories are so rich, and we see them played out in the Old Testament and how they all point toward Jesus Christ, toward the New Testament and what's happening there. So God, this morning, I pray that you will let the story of Moses teach us something about being afraid. uh, God, I pray that I will be a vessel for you and that all the people that are here will be attentive to what you've got to say to us. And I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, do you you realize that the word fear is both a noun and a verb? And I've got the definitions. A noun is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain, or a threat. And then the verb portion of that is to be afraid of something or someone is likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. So, how many of you have experienced fear? Fear. Okay, those of you who didn't raise your hand should be fearful for lying in church, okay? Um, so today we're going to be talking about good old-fashioned fear, all right? I, I, like I said, I, I did a career down in Gulf Shores for the fire department, was a firefighter paramedic, finished up as a battalion chief, so I, I, I did a lot in my fun career down there. And um, one night got paged out for a fire, and we got sent to the airport, to the Jack Edwards Airport. And we arrived to see a version of this, okay? Now, the difference in this is that this one's not on fire. That night we got there and this was our burning bush, all right? And God, trust me, God was speaking to me that night. This is like 2,000 gallons of, uh, of fuel. It's, uh, it's fuel for jets, okay? The, the one that we were... Uh, on. And I, I, my wife and I owned a catering business, so we use lots of these little chafer fuel things, you know, up under a chafer pen. And it's just a nice, slow little wick burning thing. It's safe. And when we got there that night, the top of this thing, there was an open hatch and it was burning. 2,000 gallons of fuel on fire, just kind of lazily burning. And we're hiding behind a little uh, building. We hadn't even pulled hoses or anything. We're just standing behind the building looking at this thing. And it's a wooden building that, that if that 2,000 gallons had cooked off suddenly, we would have been toast, quite frankly. And we're standing there talking about, well, we can bank some foam up over into the top of it. We can do all these different things. And finally, one of us said, well, you know, the, a fire is made up of three components. It's called the fire triangle. It's made up of fuel, oxygen, and heat. And if you remove any of the three of those, the fire will go out. And like I say, I don't even know, I don't know if it was me, I don't know who it was. Somebody said, let's close the hatch. Let's remove the oxygen. We took a pike pole, reached up there, went, put the fire out. And it was quite that simple. The potential was up here. The response was actually pretty easy. But that night, that was kind of a burning bush moment for me, because trust me, God was talking to me. So Let's go back to the conversation that is going on between uh, God and Moses. Now, this is some of this is coming out of my brain. I, uh, it is scripturally based, which by the way, the, God, the word of God is inerrant and truthful. It is, it is God's word. So I'm gonna put, I'm gonna fill in between the lines because just like if you read, if you read minutes from a business meeting, it might say, opened with prayer, uh, covered the first topic. Covered the second talk of it and ended. And to me, sometimes that's how the Bible is written. We don't see what all is in between. Does that make sense? Whereas if you go to court, everything is written down. Person coughed at this point. You know, everything is recorded. So this is Mitchell kind of reading between the lines. But God says, My people are in slavery. They're crying for help. Moses, I've chosen you to be my man. You're going to go take care of them. You're going to work for me. You're gonna set my people free, pretty much straightforward, right? And Moses says, "Oh no, not me, not me, Lord. I, 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 I don't speak so good. I I I, I stutter all the time. Uh, what What about Aaron, my brother? You know he 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 speaks like a preacher. He he sings like an angel. Send Aaron, not me. I don't want to go. Besides, how how are they going to know that you sent me?" Don't you know in Egypt, they want little Moses' head? Don't you know in Egypt, they want Moses dead? Well, God, I I don't know. Maybe you better get your dirty work done a different way. Not me. I'm not not going. So pick it up in in chapter 4 now, verse 1. Are you turning there? Let me grab something here. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what's in your hand? Um, A staff. God said, throw it on the ground. Uh, you, you mean like on that ground? Yes, throw it down, Moses. Lord don't take this away from me. It, it's my it's my it's the only thing I've got out you know out here in the in the wilderness a man's got this is all I've got. please don't take it away. it's my equipment. it's how I take care of of the flock. Throw it down, Moses. But Lord, I, I throw it down, Moses. But but throw it down, Moses. Well, <coughs> Moses threw the rod on the ground, and it became a hissing snake. Well, Moses was running. But you'd run. I know I'd run. It was running from a hot rod. on. He was running from a hot rod. Okay. He was running from a hissing snake, running scared of what the Lord's going to do, running scared he'll get a hold of you. And the Lord said, stop, Moses, pick it up by the tail. And Moses went, (laughs) oh no, oh no. Lord, you you obviously haven't been, you hadn't lived around here very long. That's a hiss and snake. Don't you know, you never pick up a hiss and snake by it. Moses, pick it up. So let's step away from the story. What do you do when a piece of equipment that you've got is supposed to help you, but instead it might hurt you? In that case... You have to rely on God. You have to rely on the equipment. A long time ago, probably not long after um, God created dirt, uh, I went to fire school, um, and um, it. We learned a lot. We learned um, we learned how to put out fires. We learned how to use specialized equipment. You know, we learned how to use fire hoses. We learned how to wear air packs on our back and breathe good air while we were fighting a fire we learned how to use the jaws of life to cut people out of cars and we even used learned how to use ladders i bet everybody in here has probably at some point been on some form of a ladder whether a step stool or a full size ladder or something like that well um, as you can imagine we've got all kind of links of ladders uh, been up on a 100 foot ladder truck many many times um, that's a long ways to the ground by the way but there's something that I want to point out to you. It's, it's something called the church raise, of all things. And it was, de, it was actually it was designed for a building like this. Now, this, this roof is not that tall, the ceiling. But if, uh, say, that light right up there was on fire, it might be difficult to set a ladder against anything because of the, the style of roof. Church roofs are often like this or even flat. And uh, because of that, someone developed this thing. Now this, it's called the church raise, and it was developed to be able to reach something like that, but ultimately it turned into something more of a uh, team building event and also a a confidence building event. So let me, I've I've got some photos of a church raise being done. Now this is, um, we, we did it with a 35 foot ladder, and this is not a 35 foot ladder, by the way. You take two really long ropes, run it off the rung so that it becomes four leading uh, ends of the rope, and then you've got the guys uh, out on the ends of the rope. There's, there's four firefighters holding the ends of those ropes. There's two firefighters at the base of the ladder holding onto the ladder, and then you climb up the ladder. All right, we got another slide? <clears throat> now, I'm talking about fear today. This is Fear. Climbing it is not the problem. It's what this guy is doing right now where he has, you're holding on to a rung at the top, like down here, and you have to swing your leg over and come down the other side. Trust me, there's a ladder somewhere floating around that has got my fingerprints embedded into the metal of that ladder because that's true fear. Because that ladder is being supported by four firefighters. I call them yahoos. Because I'm putting my life in in their hands. And that ladder is doing this the whole time that you're climbing on it. Um, Have we got one more slide? Yeah. There's that firefighter making that. I I don't know that this is taught that much anymore because it's an inherently dangerous act. You're not tied off. The possibility of falling is great. And, um, I I, you know, I... I, uh, I conquered my fear. I learned to trust those yahoos holding on to the, to the ropes, and I learned to trust the ladder. And ultimately, I started training firefighters how to do that. And one day, we had a, a firefighter recruit. up He made it up probably three-quarters of the way up there and got locked up and couldn't go any further. And because I trusted the equipment, I trusted the process and everything, I was able to crawl up the, you know, immediately come back up the other side. The funny thing is once you learn to trust this equipment, you actually embrace it. It becomes, it feels good to you. I know that's a weird thing, but I came up and got face to face with him and we just had a conversation up there. And he, he said, I don't know what rank I was at the time, maybe a captain. He said, Captain, if I can get off this ladder, I'm going home and I'm not coming back. And I got it. I got, I understood his fear at that point. And so I talked him down off that ladder, and he did go home and he picked another career and moved on with life. And I, I fully understood how his fear got him stuck up on that ladder. So um, let's move forward into the story. Let's go over to Exodus 14 if you've got your Bible. So a lot has happened between Exodus 4 and Exodus 14. Uh, Moses did indeed go to Pharaoh, and he told Pharaoh to let God's people go to be free. God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he refused to let the people go, which resulted in the plagues. I think you remember all those things. All All of that was to let the Israelites see the power of God, and it was done for the glory of God. And so ultimately, after all the plagues and everything, Pharaoh decides to let Moses take the people and leave. But God again hardens Pharaoh's heart, so he chases after the people with an army of chariots. Moses and the people reach a seemingly dead end when they get to the Red Sea. And that's where we're going to pick up in chapter 14, beginning at verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Now, with us living here in the Gulf Coast, we're we're used we're we're used to weather extremes. You know, we have lots of beautiful days. It's a nice, it's a pretty day out there. It's warming up. It's probably going to be a beautiful day. But we've seen all of the stuff here. We obviously hurricanes are always on our minds, uh, flooding. Um, you know, severe weather, tornadoes, all those things pass through here. So that's not an uncommon event. So it was, um, I think we have a photo. I was on duty at our beach station in Gulf Shores one day. It was a—it actually was a pretty clear morning that day. And a good day to be at work. We had done all of our equipment checks. I was probably, since I was at that station, even though I was riding in officer's seat, I was probably on overtime because I, I didn't work down there too much unless I was doing overtime. And um, so we had lunch that day, and we knew that there was supposed to be rain later that afternoon. And uh, so some out in the Gulf, I don't know how many of you have seen this. I love watching those thunderstorms roll in off the Gulf. It's a beautiful thing. But this is what we started to see on the horizon as it started to get closer and closer. And whereas that first photo showed kind of the lake of Mexico, this is when it started looking like the Gulf of Mexico. Well, in the midst of that, we can hear thunder off in the distance. We, um, we get paged out for one down on the beach. And we arrive to find not one person, but two people out on the beach. Now, by this time, the storm is there, and it's raining very hard. It's pelting rain. And I remember, this was probably silly, but I remember I putting on my helmet to run out on the, across that long beach, and it was, it was a long way. And we're, you know, we're, we carry equipment no matter what we're doing, where we're going, so that we've always got it with us. So we both, my partner and I, both ran across that long beach. And we got out there, and there was one bystander left. It was, a, it, was, you know, it was a spring day, as I recall. It may have been during spring break. I don't remember. And the beach had been full. But by now, because of lightning in the distance and everything, everybody was gone except for this one bystander that stayed with what turned out to be a father and a son. And what they didn't know, and I'll teach this for just a moment, the most dangerous place you can be during a lightning storm, one of the most dangerous places, is where water interfaces with land. And the story we found out later was that as a storm, and it's very typical when a storm blows up like that, anything loose on the beach starts blowing down the beach. And sure enough, a a float that they had started blowing down the beach. And they had chased it. And I think they had caught it and they were coming back when both the father and the son were hit by lightning there on the edge of the edge of the water. So we get out there now by this time um, we, we quickly assess them, but lightning's popping around us and we're doing this assessment on our stomachs. And I've got the, I got the bystander down on his stomach. We're trying to get as low as possible because on a beach, you are the tallest thing around. And we know that that can also be a hazard of of being in a lightning storm. So that quick assessment showed that both of them indeed had been struck by lightning. They were both in cardiac arrest. And so it was me, my partner, and a bystander. And um, the lightning is increasing. And you've heard this before, it was that click, boom, lightning, where you hear the click, and it hits that quick. Click, boom, click, boom, click, boom. And this is going on all around us. Let me tell you something. I did a lot of stuff in my career. That was the most fearful time of my life. It was scary. So now I've got a full grown adult male. I've got a, I don't know, I'm guessing five-year-old boy. That are both in cardiac arrest I've got lightning popping all around me and I've got two people who are really ultimately in my care besides the patients and I made probably the most hard decision I've ever made in my life I know it was the hardest in my career and that was I told them let's grab the equipment let's grab the boy and let's run for cover and we had to leave the dad there on the beach. And for me, as a paramedic, as a firefighter, as a dad, as a human being, that was really, really hard. Just, just like the God of Israel who gave them the peace to walk through those tall towers of water there in the Red Sea, God somehow has given me the peace to be able to talk about that story to you. Maybe maybe that's why he allowed me to survive, was just to stand in front of you today and talk about that. It was a horrible, fearful day. But God is faithful. Amen? Um, let's return to the story. In Exodus, it says, but the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Remember we were talking about him throwing the rod on the ground? It says, so so Moses put out his hand and he took the rod. This is what might have occurred. God, it's a rod again. It's a rod again. You know what it means, Moses? Do you know what I'm trying to say, Moses? The rod of Moses became the rod of God, and with the rod of God, you can strike the rock, and the water will come. With the rod of God, you can part the waters of the sea. With the rod of God, you can you can defeat Pharaoh. With the rod of God, you can set my people. So let me ask you this this morning. What do you hold in your hands today? To whom or to what are you bound? Just like this rod. Are you willing to give that to God? to give it to him fully to let go of it give it up let it go throw it down let me pray for you god thank you for thank you for the story of moses thank you for for these stories that you've allowed me to tell. Stories about fear, but more importantly about you, the faithful God, who helped me overcome fear. God, there may be somebody in here this morning that has been fearful of letting go and letting you lead their life. So God, I, I just pray. I just pray for whoever's hearing my voice right now that they'll let it go They'll turn this over to you. They'll enjoy watching what you can do with this staff, with this rod of God in their lives. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.